Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. One, the dinner party. Opening scene. Some of the guests have already arrived and are racing around the living room, variously colliding and dancing around each other. Another guest arrives and rings the bell. Everyone runs to the door, excited beyond belief, jostling each other, staring at the door, jumping on the door, yelling, who's there? Who's there? The new arrival yells back, who's there? Who's there? Somehow, the new arrival enters and the party resumes. The camera pans across the guests. A muscular male, dressed all in black, carries a frisbee everywhere, clutched tightly to his chest. If anyone touches the frisbee, he whirls around abruptly and stalks off, glaring over his shoulder. Another male, dressed in plaid, rather jolly, has a drooling problem. Every so often, he shakes his head and saliva flies onto adjacent guests who don't even notice. A depressed-looking female spends the entire evening in a large stuffed chair, methodically ripping it to shreds. A huge guy in a jean jacket and tattoos goes up to various guests and just stands there. They immediately give him all their hors d'oeuvres. A very small elderly female with frizzy hair leaps out from behind the furniture at passers-by and speaks sharply to them. Even the huge guy is daunted. But nobody really seems to mind about any of this. Various bits of action occur. Someone emerges from the bathroom, and everyone rushes over and crowds in to find out what's happened. A guest, looking out the window, suddenly gets very excited and yells, A cat! Everyone rushes to the window and joins in yelling, A cat! A cat! Two guests, one big, one little, grab an appetizer at the same time. They stand stock still, holding on to it and staring out of the corner of their eyes at each other. Suddenly, the big one whirls around and tries to walk off with it. The little one, however, doesn't let go and is flung around in the big one's wake. In the kitchen, several guests have knocked over the garbage and are going through it. In the backyard, other guests are digging holes. A fight breaks out, but it's over in three seconds and the opponents run off to play together. Several guests can be seen hiding bits of food around the house. They carefully scan for a likely spot, put down the food, then pick it up again and start looking for a better place. Dinner is served. Everyone races over to the table and there's a big to-do while the seating arrangements are sorted out. Then all the guests eat as fast as they possibly can. Every so often, a guest simply grabs something off the plate of the guest next to them, and sometimes the guest grabs back. When everyone's finished, they jump up and change places to inspect each other's plates. And then, after dinner, everyone 
takes a nap. They are sprawled around the house, some in little groups huddled together, some on couches, on their backs, with their feet on their arms and flung up over the back, some curled up awkwardly in overstuffed chairs with their chins propped up on the arms. Occasionally, we see limbs twitching and hear little contented noises. Two, Fred and Jordan, who rescued whom? Jordan, a 12-year-old seventh grader from Michigan, has alopecia, no hair, eyebrows, or eyelashes. In elementary school, he had friends and sleepovers and participated in sports, but when he got to middle school, everything changed. He was bullied. When another student took off Jordan's hat and threw it across the room, Jordan shut down and closed off the world. He wouldn't go to school or even go outside. He just didn't want to be around people. This once sweet, good-humored, let's-do-this kid wouldn't leave his bedroom. His mother, Sherry Radlick, pulled her son out of public school, enrolled him in an online school, and took him to therapy for anxiety and depression. Jordan's doctor recommended getting an animal companion. Courtney Pratt Sanders, executive director of Pause for Life, thought she had the perfect dog for Jordan. Fred is an Australian shepherd lab mix who has been crated day and night, brutally neglected, and was in dire need of medical attention when Paws rescued him. He was now ready to go home with someone who could help nurse him all the way to health and socialize him. And that someone was Jordan. They are inseparable. They play together, sleep together, and are regaining their well-being together. Jordan helps Fred with the exercises intended to strengthen his legs. Jordan's confidence has surged with Fred's unconditional devotion. I can tell you from the minute Jordan got out of the car and saw Fred, it was love at first sight. When they locked eyes, I knew. It was just unbreakable. Sherry Radlick's voice cracks as she shared this story. My son was rescued by a rescue dog. Three, Tess and Joe, home from the war. United States Army veteran Joe Steenbeek has Psalm 91 tattooed on his forearm. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. There shall be no evil befall thee. Still, Joe couldn't sleep. He'd been home from the war for six years, and the PTSD was unrelenting. In Afghanistan, he'd served as a tactical explosive dog handler with tests a bomb-sniffing Belgian Malinois. Every minute in that hell, Tess and Joe were together, a unit, a team, family. When his deployment ended in 2013, Joe was given only minutes to say goodbye to her. 
Joe came home to Indiana. Tess remained behind. Joe's wife, Stephanie, another hero in this story, began the years-long process to reunite the two veterans. In February of this year, with the help of Mission Canine Rescue, she finally made it happen. A visitor arrives and sets a bag on the floor. Immediately, Tess hops up to sniff around it. Not sensing anything out of the ordinary, she takes a red ball and curls up on her dog bed. She's only been retired for two days now, says Joe. Of course she's going to think she's still working. Veterans have to transition into civilian life. But Tess has already made herself at home, claimed her toys and acknowledged them, then promptly ignored Onyx, the family's black cat, who nonetheless is keeping an eye on Tess. It's been six years since I've had her, and honestly, looking at her right now, it feels like it's been a lifetime. There's a little piece of me that I didn't really ever think I'd get back, says Joe. Stephanie adds, I'd heard plenty of stories about her, but as soon as they brought her out, as soon as I saw her, I started crying, and she just came right to him, just beelined right to him. Honestly, it's like she's always been with us. She came right in the house last night. She picked out a toy. She picked a bed, and she slept all night. It's like she's been here forever. She just fit right in, but it doesn't feel real. I really can't believe she's here. Tess is now 11 years old. We're just looking forward to giving her a good retirement life, Joe says. She's worked so hard her entire life. Now she gets to sit back and have fun and live like an eccentric billionaire. And finally, Joe can sleep. Four, Mr. Boo saves the day. Early one May morning in a Cincinnati suburb, a tiny seven-year-old tuxedo cat, a rescue named Mr. Boo, began wailing in the hallway, waking his entire family. Mr. Boo never even meows, says Ariana Keskis, his human mother. He usually just squeaks or doesn't meow at all. It's actually kind of a joke in our family. It turns out something was wrong, potentially fatally wrong. As the Keskis and their children emerged from their bedrooms, they watched as Mr. Pooh continued to stumble up and down the hall, occasionally fainting and then rousing himself until he couldn't. And suddenly, they all began to feel faint. One of the parents called 911. They all at the same time are fainting, including our cat, who's the one who alarmed us. My daughter fainted in the hallway. My son fainted on the back porch. And our cat fainted in the living room. My son is on the back porch just out of it. Within moments, the fire department arrived. They found carbon monoxide pouring into the house from a faulty boiler. The entire family, poisoned by the potentially fatal gas, was taken by ambulance to the hospital. They were minutes away from dying, the fire chief said. But they recovered and are alive today, thanks to Mr. Boo. Due to his actions, Mr. Boo was honored by PETA with some catnip toys, a frame certificate, and a mountain of treats. 
Mr. Boo knew that something was wrong and he didn't rest until he'd alerted his entire family to the danger they were in, says PETA Vice President Colleen O'Brien. Ariana Keski says, it's like he's been waiting his whole life to do this one heroic thing. Five, Flannery O'Connor's chicken. Born in 1925, Flannery O'Connor was a Southern novelist, short story writer, and essayist. In 1972, her complete stories won the National Book Award for Fiction, and in 2009, Poll was named the best book ever to have won it. In 2015, the United States Postal Service honored her with a postage stamp in the Literary Arts series. Flannery O'Connor didn't care about any of it. She loved birds. In high school, when the girls were required to sew Sunday dresses for themselves, Flannery O'Connor sewed a full outfit, including underwear, to fit her pet duck. The duck made an appearance at school to model the finished product. Years earlier, it was a chicken that brought her joy. The local news filmed little Flannery O'Connor with her trained chicken and showed the film around the country. Later, she wrote, when I was six, I had a chicken that walked backward and was in the Pathé News. I was in it too with my chicken. It was the high point of my life. Everything since has been anticlimax. Beloved spiritual companions, may the blessings of animals fill our days and our nights with high points, laughter, companionship, courage, and love. And may we do the same for them. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.